Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. Well, thank you for coming on, Dr. Pettit. I've been excited about this, looking forward to it for quite some time. And for those of you listening who are not quite sure who he is, he is the president of Bob Jones at University, and I'm very excited about this. So we'll be talking about his testimony, questions about young adults, uh, the theme of having joy in ministry, and different things like that. And I pray that this episode will be a blessing to you. But Dr. Pettit, this is an introductory question for us as an audience. Do you mind sharing with us your salvation testimony? Sure, I'd love to, Colton. Thank you so much. Uh, I grew up. Well, uh, let me let me begin with uh, where I was born. I was I was okay. born in, in a small town. Uh, about 15 miles from Valdosta, Georgia, Quitman, Georgia, to be an exact. That's where my mother grew up. My dad was in the United States Air Force, and he was stationed at Moody Air Base in Valdosta. And so they met. That they met. They were married on the 27th of November, 1954, and I was born on the 27th of November, 1955. My dad graduated from the University of Georgia with a master's degree in agricultural economics. And so when I was three years old, our family picked up and moved to Columbia, South Carolina, where I grew up. So actually, I went to I grew up in Columbia all of my life. Uh, I grew up in a a pretty nominal Christian home. That means Christian in name only. Mm -hmm. We we attended church uh, on a weekly basis. My dad was a deacon and Sunday school teacher. Uh, but it really was not a gospel. It was, it was not a, it was a liberal church. So we really didn't hear the gospel. Uh, I attended public elementary and junior high and high school and got up into my high school years and right about 14 years old or so, uh, my dad kind of dropped out of church. And so like father, like son, I followed suit and Really didn't darken the door of the church except for a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. I got involved. I was an athlete, played a lot of sports in high school. I was involved in music and drama and all, and, and actually student government. I was uh, my high school class president for three years in wow. our public school. And uh, during my junior year of high school, <clears throat> we had a group come into our, our Christian school. It was, uh, it was kind of an evangelical, uh, kind of a, it wasn't a church youth group. It was just a, a, a a group that came in and um, some of my friends became believers and, uh, and they started sharing their faith. And so during my junior year of high school, one of my closest friends that I'd grown up with had become a believer and he began to share the gospel with me. And so for really the first time in my life, I really came to understand the gospel message, uh, which really dealt primarily with my sinfulness and my, my, my lost state. Uh, how that Christ died for my sins mm-hmm. and resurrected and that salvation was by grace through faith and not by works. Wow. But I didn't get saved. I <clears throat> told my friends I, w- I wasn't really ready yet, which really meant I, I really, uh, I had, I had some living I wanted to do in the sense mm-hmm. that I wanted to live for myself. So I finished high school and uh, <clears throat> enrolled as a freshman in college at a school called the Citadel. It's a military school. Mm-hmm in Columbia, South Carolina, excuse me, in Charleston, South Carolina. And, um, I, I played on the varsity soccer team. I played NCAA division one soccer for four years. And my freshman year, I was on the team. There was only one other guy on the team that was a freshman. He was a scholarship player. I was a walk-on player. 
and uh, his name was Max Birch. Max, he grew up in, in Beaufort, South Carolina, and he had been a Christian for about a year. So what ended up happening is the fellow that became my closest friend in college was a, was a born-again believer. He began to share the gospel with me uh, that I had heard in high school, but I really began to come under conviction. I'd, I'd been away from home. I was, I was in a completely different environment, so my heart was much more open to change. And uh, during spring break, Easter Sunday, 1975, I was driving home from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I turned the radio on, turned the radio on and started listening to a, a church service. I would have, I would probably would have listened to just uh, a lo just a radio station, mm -hmm. a music station. Uh, but I decided to listen to a church service and a man preached the gospel. I don't know who he was. I don't know what kind of church it was. All I know is I felt like somebody had tipped him off. I was driving down the highway and as he preached the gospel, it was just, um, you know, very powerful, very convicting. And I knew that I was being called by the Lord and I had a choice to make. And so it was at that time on Easter Sunday, 1975, uh, driving down the highway, coming back home from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I actually prayed and asked the Lord to save me. And so I really believe that was when I got saved. Uh, you know, I began to grow uh, some, you know, you kind of wondered, did I get saved then? Or maybe a little mm -hmm. bit later on. But I, I feel like, uh, as I understand the scriptures, that's when I became a believer. Yes, sir. And how old were you at that moment? I was 19 years old. 19 years old. That's wonderful there. I love how as you shared it is very similar. A lot of people, they'll hear the gospel at an earlier age and they don't get saved then, but it takes a few years and just that seed growing in their heart and as you as a 19 year old young man trusting christ as your savior and a lot of how the world just works that out and we just happens to other people where they hear it and then wait a few years you know you feel like the, the work you put in giving them the gospels in vain and they end up trusting christ as savior yeah later on down the road <laughs> that's correct now going off of that do you mind sharing with us how uh, your call to ministry was how you felt the lord calling you to preach yeah um <clears throat> so during my so I, I become a believer my freshman year. Um, not a lot of growth immediately. Most of it was more internal in my thinking. Uh, during the summer of 1975, between my freshman and sophomore year, uh, I was getting getting in shape for soccer that fall. And I played in an indoor soccer match <clears throat> in Charleston, South Carolina, and I actually broke my left ankle. Mm -hmm. And it was it, it was that event that really – uh, God used to straighten me out in the sense of really chastening me and bringing me to a place of real surrender. Uh, and over the, I would say probably over the next two to three months, uh, God really dealt with me about where I was, what I was living for, what my purpose in life was, um, who my friends were, all of those things. And so I really went back to school. I, I was out of soccer that season. So I began to develop relationships with young men that were really <clears throat> committed to the Lord, uh, started going to church on Sundays, um, started going to fellowship of Christian athlete meetings and began to grow. And as I was growing in the Lord, the more I grew in the Lord, the more my desires to serve God increased. Um, I was went out one evening with some of my friends. We Back in those days, we would be invited to come into churches like on a Sunday evening, and mm -hmm. and we had a kind of a team of of uh, 
of cadets and we would share our, our faith and we would talk about how we were saved and what had God done in our life. Mm. <clears throat> and so over that year, as I was growing, growing in the Lord and uh, I began to sense a desire to share. Well, let me, let me also say this, okay. that not only was I growing in the Lord, but I began to share my faith. I began to witness. And I think it was really the witnessing that really sparked the fire in me because uh, I was in a secular school, 2000 guys, most of them unbelievers. So you, once you decide you're going to follow the Lord, you've got to, it's either all out or all mm -hmm. in, or, or you're going to be almost all out. Yes, sir. And so as I began to really share my faith and witness to my classmates and the people around me, uh, obviously they're going to hold me accountable for whether or not I really am the real deal. And that was really purifying for me. And so my, my whole spiritual life began to blossom. And the more that took place, the more I wanted to, to serve the Lord. Uh, as I finished up my sophomore year, my family actually moved out of South Carolina to Washington, D.C. area. And we were living in Virginia in the summer of 1976. And it was that summer I began to attend uh, a, an independent Baptist church that was not very far from my home. Mm -hmm. And the pastor, I was not a Baptist at the time. I had not been baptized by immersion, but the pastor mm -hmm. was a very godly man, a wonderful preacher, and he was a Bob Jones graduate. And so that summer I got really involved in the ministry. The summer of 1976 was the 200th anniversary of our country. So there was so much evangelism going on in downtown Washington. And wow. uh, I began to pray, God, uh, yeah, do you want me to go in the ministry? And not really knowing, I, I didn't want to go in the ministry if it wasn't the Lord's will. I, I wanted, I wasn't really quite sure what a call to the ministry was, but I knew yeah. I had a desire. I knew I had a desire, but I didn't want to do it if the Lord didn't want me to. And so one of the uh, particular weekends is a long story. I'll keep it really short. I was invited to go up to a church uh, in the Baltimore, Maryland area because uh, one of my classmates, actually one of the young men in my company at the Citadel lived up there. His name was Steve Pepper. Well, my name is Steve Pettit. So uh, we sat next to each other in classes and so forth because of our name. And his father, his father was a Baptist preacher. And uh, his name was John Pepper, and he had an earned doctor degree, so his name was Dr. Pepper. And uh, <laughs> so I actually was invited to go up to his church and share my testimony of my conversion experience. And so I did. I went up, and on my own way up, <clears throat> I was really praying, Lord, I don't know your will, but I, I just prayed some very specific prayers. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of those prayers would that there would be people that would respond to my testimony. And... Uh, and I said, Lord, I, I, I need to know if you called me to preach. I prayed a very specific prayer. Please answer this prayer. And so I shared my testimony in Sunday school that morning. And uh, uh, after the service, we went back to eat at uh, Dr. Pepper's home and for lunch. And as we were sitting there, uh, we were about to pray for the meal. And uh, Dr. Pepper said to me, Steve, he said, just want you to know that some of the people that responded to the invitation today came forward because of your testimony. And it was, it was sitting there at the home of Dr. John Pepper, uh, at a Sunday lunch that I really realized God had called me to preach. He was very, very graciously answered my prayers and I bowed my head and I said, Lord, you've called me to preach and I surrender. So it was really at that time, the summer of 1976 that I surrendered to the call to preach.
Well, thank you for sharing that. That was a blessing. And I love how the Lord works that out. And everyone's call is slightly different. He does different things. And it's wonderful seeing that there. Now, given your job description as president of Bob Jones University, it's kind of a given that you work with young adults on a daily basis or in mentoring young adults. So what would you say maybe is one area in the Christian life spiritually that young adults tend to struggle with and how can they overcome that issue? Well, let me uh, let me uh, kind of that's that's a super great question. Let me expand it a little bit, kind of okay. a little back, a little bit of my background. So, um, I I left I I I finished uh, college uh, at the Citadel. My degree was in business administration, and I came to Bob Jones University for my graduate work for seminary work, and finished here in 1980. I went to work as a youth pastor in Michigan in 1980 to 1985 uh-huh. in 1985 i started in full-time evangelism and i did that until 2014 so for 29 years i was an evangelist wow. and during during that time uh two-thirds of of the time that i was an evangelist almost almost 20 years i had a team that traveled with me of christian workers musicians etc and uh, we had 57 young people that traveled with us over a period of, of almost 20 years. So I actually experienced something that's very unique, and that is I live with 20-somethings for 20 years. Wow. <laughs> when, I, when I say I live with them, I mean I live with them. Uh, they, tra- they travel with me. We work together all day long. We, we ate together. We prayed together. We cried together. We served together. Uh, we, we practice music together. Uh, we, we had fun together. It, it, it was kind of a, be honest with you, it was a weird lifestyle because mm-hmm. I was so much older than them, but I yes, actually, so I got to really know college graduates very, very well. And during that time I began to, um, work with them as they were having their own spiritual struggles, even, even in ministry, you know, as they were growing in the Lord. And so out of that, I, I, I ended up coming to Bob Jones University, and, and I was also a camp director for almost a decade during that time, too, working with 150 college students in the summertime. So when I came to Bob Jones, I was very, very comfortable with college kids, and I still am. I, I, mm-hmm. I am very comfortable with them. I eat with them all the time. We, we, I do things with them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I feel like I have a pretty good grasp yes, on sir. where where they are, and I, I would say, if I were to boil it down to a couple of think, key things, um, I, I think first and foremost that um, college I mean, college students are a little bit different than the the kids I were working with because the young people I worked with were between twenty two and twenty eight, so they were a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, college students are just a little more immature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, I would say first and foremost, that it would come to uh, a place in their life where are they fully surrendered to the Lord in all of their life so that their life is showing forth um, a life of dependence on God. And when I say dependence, uh, God breaking you over your own personal uh, rights, your own, your own. What do you want to do with your life? And then when I when I mean brokenness is a complete surrender to God, mm. and that in your life you show your daily de- 
independence by your consistent walk with God. I'd say with, with hands down the great struggle with, with, uh, young people that are professing Christians uh, in college is their inconsistency in their own personal walk with God on a daily basis. Yes, sir. I think that's a great answer there. And as a young adult myself, I agree with that. I know, you know, growing up in a Christian home in my life, I've got parents, you know, that, that are there rooting for me, pushing me on, I, you know, I can always rely on my parents, but going off to college, you know, it's that separating experience where you're on your own. Now it's up to you. If you're going to read your Bible up to you, if you're going to go to church and it really is a make or break season in your life. And it's been that way with my life and other young adults, as you shared there. And I believe that's something that many, if not all young adults, the age 18 to 25 or so really struggle with because where the training wheels almost come off and they're starting to transition into being an adult and making decisions on their own spiritually and choosing to walk with God on their own and not just because their parents are doing it or their siblings or their youth group is doing it, but really choosing for themselves that they're going to, they're going to walk with the Lord. Yeah. I would say, I would say also during, um, during the four years, a student is at Bob Jones university. Uh, I will, I will in one of those semesters preach an entire series on what it means to walk in the spirit. Wow. And, and what it means to be a spirit controlled believer, because living the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. And, and it's not something that you can do. And the tendency is just our natural way of thinking is, you know, there, there's no such thing as a do it yourself salvation. God has to do mm -hmm. it for you. And there's no such thing as a do-it-yourself sanctification. Exactly. You have to you have to understand what it means to be spirit-controlled, and then how to live that life out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, your tendencies are going to become uh, varying extremes, <clears throat> of, uh, and and it becomes very self-motivated. But so I would say learning learning the spirit-filled walk that really has a daily walk in the Word in surrender, in prayer, uh, that to me is probably the most important bottom line uh, element of, 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 your, of, of a young person's life. Yes, sir. Some very wise advice there. And listeners, I would encourage you to take that advice to heart, whether you're a young adult or not. I believe that's something that applies to each and every one of us is those two things you shared with us. Now, transitioning here from your testimony and life story and then to talking about young adults, We'll transition here to ministry and keeping the joy in it. So how would you say maybe someone listening today who maybe feels like they used to be a joyful Christian and they've lost that joy in serving Jesus, how can someone get it back or experience it again? Well, you know, that that's a great question. And there's probably numbers of different answers mm -hmm. in response to that. Um, you know, joy is a fruit of the spirit. Love. Mm -hmm. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and peace. Joy is, is, is basically something you enjoy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's what you delight in. It's, it's, there are things that we all have certain things in our life that we, we enjoy. We delight in this. This is something we like. And so the joy of the Lord is really a delighting in God. It's, it's finding him, uh, as all satisfying for us throughout our life. It's, it's a contentment that we get in him. So, when you think of that, you have to start looking at some of the opposites and, and the things that um, 
are are causes of a law of a loss of that joy. Um, and I think I think I think for Christian young people or wherever you are in your life, it could be a combination of numbers of things. It could be a matter of 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 yielding to your own lustful appetites, uh, where you are you're, you're you're living for those desires. Uh, love not the world, neither the things of the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those are those are those are sinful desires that we we pursue in our heart. And of course, the end result of that is guilt. And if you're living in guilt, you, you, you're, you're going to be absent of joy. I would say, I would say, especially working with, with college students and getting into young adult years, probably the single number one greatest barrier that young people have had to overcome is to understand how, uh, how so many are controlled in their lives by their own fears. And because fear is a very powerful force in our life and people, people are fearful, have different kinds of responses. Some people who become fearful, they, they become paralyzed. Uh, some people become manipulative and controlling. Some people become dominating uh, over other people, but at the very root of it, it's, it's a fear issue. And the only way to overcome fear uh, is actually God's love. Perfect love casteth out fear. You know, sometimes we think the opposite of love is hatred. And actually that's not true because if you love something, you hate anything that threatens it. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And when we are controlled by our fears in our life, then often what's, what ends up happening is those become dominating controlling things. And oftentimes you don't see it. You're blinded to it until somebody points it out. And I have, I could tell you tons of young people that I've, I've just worked with dealing with their fears of life. And once they find that the Lord loves them and that, that he has overcome the fear, it's almost like the joy comes right back. It's like they, it's like they lost it. And then suddenly it comes huh. back because they're seeking to find satisfaction in something else you know, somebody or something else is going to give me security and satisfaction in life. And actually what you're at the bottom line is you're afraid and you're looking to something else. Wow. And that, that fear becomes very controlling and dominating in your life. And once you begin to realize that and you surrender to the Lord and you realize that the Lord is your source of satisfaction, then suddenly the joy that was gone now just comes back. And then you begin to build your life on, on, on the word of God and you begin to seek to know God through his word. And then you find your joy in the Lord, uh, in delighting in him. So for me, the best part of my day is waking up and spending time with the Lord in the Bible. And that's my joy. That's my joy time. Now on some days it goes downhill real fast, depending mm -hmm. on cir circumstances, but I keep going back to that. Well, and, uh, and, and it's, it's out of, you know, out of our innermost being, Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water and the wellspring of life of our salvation and our relationship with him. Yes, sir. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Some wonderful wisdom, wonderful advice there. Some great practical truths. Now, the next question is very similar to that one word. It's just slightly different, but so if you answer it the same way, that's exactly, that's completely fine. 
But how can someone serving the Lord keep their joy during the busy seasons? Because we all know that we face times that are busy, times that are extra busy. It seems like you can't, you know, catch a break. And I know during times like that, it's easy to lose that joy or to lose sight of Jesus. How can someone listening today get it back or keep from losing it? Well, I think it's important to to realize that that busyness does not equal godliness. So godliness, it, the, the word godliness means to worship God well. And there are a lot of people who can become very busy, but they're not really developing godliness. So it, in one way, it goes back to kind of what I've said all along. It really comes back to your personal time with the Lord. Uh, for me, being, being a president at Bob Jones, I'll be frankly honest with you, it's a busy life. Uh, and my, just about every hour of my day is, is, is scheduled out beginning in the morning going through. So I really guard, I really guard those times where I can get time with the Lord. So to me, that is first and foremost, number one, number two, um, I, I, I really, I, I think it's important that personally, I think it's important that you do things that you actually enjoy doing, um, whatever you like, I don't know what you like. So, uh, for me, I just, the way my habits of life there, there's, there's about three things I really enjoy doing. And so I try to take time to do those over a course of a week, even if it's an hour, uh, that I can find that time to do those things. So, um, that that's kind of practical, but, yes, but I, I, it's not like you're taking time for yourself in a, in mm-hmm. a bad sense. It's just, it's just the way we are. There's certain things we enjoy. And so I think it's important to take those times to do that. Thank you for that. Some wonderful advice, but just the practical thing there. I like what you shared at the end, just about making time to do certain things and, and making sure the way you're doing, you, you do enjoy, because I know that when times get busy, as they often do, if it's not something you enjoy, not something that you like to do, you know, it's going to get, it's going to be extra hard. Now, granted, no matter what ministry you do, no matter how much you enjoy it, you're going to have seasons and times where you don't enjoy it quite as much, but you can always find solace going back to that joy in serving the Lord. Absolutely. Now, the last question here, and I ask this to every guest that comes on, and I, I love hearing their answers in this, but could you share with us what your life verse is and just take a few moments and give us a challenge from it? Sure. Uh, the, the, the verse that I've, I, I've used throughout pretty much all of my Christian experience is Philippians 1, 20 and 21, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether, whether it be by life or by death for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so, Paul is, I think, kind of bearing his heart and that he, he wants to live his life where there's not a sense of shame in the way that he lives. According to my earnest expectation, my hope that nothing I shall be ashamed, but that he could actually say with boldness and confidence that he has magnified Christ. And when we think of magnification, if you think of a telescope, it takes something that's far away and brings it close. If you talk about a microscope, you take something that is small and you make it big. And I, I want my life to be both. I want, to, I want my life to be a telescope 
that takes something that seems to be far away, and that's Jesus Christ who's in the glories, and yet through your life, you bring him close. People see Christ in you. And then you take your life as like a microscope, and you take something that is small, because to most people, Jesus is insignificant. He's not important to them. He's not preeminent in their life. And I want to take something that's small and make it big. So I want Jesus to be not only close, but I want Jesus to be big in my life. And that he, that he, and, and that's in all that I do by my living and by my dying. And the motivation is for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I, I find that, that, um, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of things in life I, I, I can do and I can enjoy, mm-hmm. but they're always subservient to the big purpose. And that is God's plan for, I love music. Uh, I play musical instruments and they're, they're very enjoyable to me. Uh, but, but they're not outside of Christ. Um, I, I love sports. I played soccer in high school. I played soccer in college. I used to coach it. Uh, I have a favorite soccer team. I, I enjoy all of it. I enjoyed playing when I, when I used to play, but it was always under the authority of Jesus Christ because for, to me to live is Christ and to die, of course, for the believer is only gain. So, uh, I would say to, to, to all people who listen is Christ the center of the whole of your life. And does he rule and reign over all of your life? Because we should bow our knee to him and live out our lives completely for his glory. Well, thank you for that challenge there. Very timely challenge from Philippians chapter one, one of my favorite passages of scripture. And I love that verse there, those verses. So thank you for sharing that with us. And again, Dr. Pettit, thank you so much for coming on. It really has been a huge blessing and a help to me. And I'm sure it has been to the listeners. And I just greatly appreciate it. It means more than you'll ever know. And lastly, could you just close this episode out for us in a word of prayer? Sure. Yes. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for your mercies to us that are new and fresh every morning. Thank you that you are unchanging. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, that we can rely upon you. We can lean upon you. We can live in you. We thank you that you have united us to Jesus. You have united us to yourself and that your life is our life. And so I pray that you'll bless these listeners and help them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen.